Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 213 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. You know who's with me. It is, of course, the infamous, the elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. I don't expect this week's uh, review and preview to last too long because we're going to go go through fi- through things as quick as possible. Bit of a rocky start there, but let's start here with the review part of the St Mary's Band Club in New South Wales, Australia. Uh, just just really one fight to mention: former heavyweight world champion, friend of the show, Lucas Brown, now twenty. Uh, 29 and 2. It was a TKO for him in two rounds against John Hopoot, who now has a record of 12 and 7. Um, like I say, a second round TKO there for Lucas Brown against a real overmatched opponent. Uh, moving out now to York Hall. This one was really the card of last weekend. Clarissa Shields was set ringside, um, obviously, just you know, lending her support to to the girls fighting on the bill. I think there was just one female fight, if I'm not mistaken, but also I, I believe she's been sparring with Hannah Rankin. Um, but anyway, the, the actual card itself, Chantel Cameron, uh, she moved to 12-0. It was a win over Anihi Sanchez, former opponent of Katie Taylor, now 19-5. and um, Sanchez was down in the fight, I think just the one time, and other than that, Chantel pitched a complete shutout, so a couple of cards actually saw uh, 100 points to 89 so literally 10 rounds to zero with a 10-8 in there so incredibly dominant there from Chantel Cameron that is quite impressive against Sanchez who is a decent fighter to a certain level also on that bill we got to see uh, Michael McKinson real 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 talented fighter now 18-0 and against a very tough Luis Veron who's now 17-1 and with two draws again I said it on last week's show I think both men were highly ranked with the WBC I think actually Veron was ranked above McKinson so a good fight there at the very top of the WBC rankings. Uh, McKinson, like I say, still got that perfect record intact. He takes the O of Veron there. Quite wide on the scorecards as well. 98, 90, 99, 89 and 97, 91. So by six rounds at the very minimum over 10 there. Uh, moving down the card, Liam Walsh picked up a win, a 10th round unanimous decision win against the very game Maxi Hughes, now 19-5 and with two draws. Liam Walsh, 23-1. and It was for the vacant WBO European lightweight title. Interesting, really, for Liam Walsh. I mean, obviously, he fouled against Javante Davis. No shame in that. He disappeared from the sport for what seems like about two and a half years, something like that, perhaps even three years, I think. Um, and then he's back, you know, he's he's obviously moved up now to lightweight. He, he picks up a little WBO, you know, minor 
belt here, the, the WBO European title. It's going to be interesting to see him make a run at lightweight. He's got a lot of ability, but you know, I just I just don't know if, if that inactivity, that, that period out of the ring after having the biggest fight of his life may have cost him, you know what I mean? He should have been back in the gym, you know, a couple of weeks later. And I don't doubt he probably was back in the gym, actually, not long afterwards, because, you know, he, he hasn't packed on loads and loads of pounds. But where he was inactive, didn't really have anything, you know, in... in, in you know, there was no light at the end of the tunnel for him for a while. He didn't really have anything on the horizon, is what I was trying to say. And you know, he took his eye off the ball. He didn't. He didn't keep motivated for all that time out. It may have cost him. We shall see. Uh, Danny Dignam picked up a win. He looked very good actually. Twelve and zero now. A TKO in the fifth round against Comrade Cummins. Uh, Comrade Cummins. It seems like it's all gone wrong for him. You know. The WBO European title on the line again. I think Cummins has, has lost for that belt a couple of times now. Uh, his record, like I say, 17-4 and four with a draw. Danny Dignam, 12-0, and 0, the new WBO European middleweight champion. Again, that'll open some doors for him. Uh, Daniel Egbenike, now 6-0. Now, uh, He's the new... Uh, the new Southern Area Super Lightweight Champion. He was able to beat Billy Allington over 10 rounds on points. 97-93, the scorecard from the referee Lee Cook. Billy Allington was undefeated. 8-0 with two draws. Now 8-1 with two draws. Good win there for Egbenike. Really impressing um, around that Southern Area kind of level at the minute. Um, moving out now to the Chansey Park in Fresno, California, USA. Um, firstly, to mention on the undercard, we got to see... Um, we got to see um, Rabisi Ramirez, obviously the Olympic gold medalist. He started his pro career, I think, back in August of this year. He he, he obviously lost on his debut, and he, he managed to get a win here, a KO in the sixth and final round against Fernando Anda, who was only two and one himself, so quite inexperienced as a pro. Uh, Ramirez. 1-1 one one now, his record, of course. Um, Amir Imam picked up a KO in the fourth round against Marcos Majika, who's now 16-5 and five with two draws. Amir Imam now 22-2. and two. Uh, Moving up the card, Kubrat Pulev picked up a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Rydell Booker. 26 and 2. I think I said on last week's show, both men had a combined age of 72, I believe it is. Um, you know, Kubrat Pulev, I was quite surprised didn't get Booker out of there. I think he's quite tough, but it was it was it was really one-sided, you know, over t- over the 10 rounds. I was quite surprised that Booker was able to hang in there. Some of the shots I see him take were real big ones. Kubrat Pulev 28 and 1. I I almost had to double take it. His record. I I just, you know, I think um you know, Pulev's still a guy that hasn't even had 30 fights. But when I think of Pulev, I know he's quite long in the tooth in terms of his age. He's like 35 going on 36, something like that. And you expect he's probably had around 40 or, or 35 fights. But no, he's only had 29 fights. That was his 29th fight right there. Um, of course, topping the bill, Jamel Herrin now 21-2. and two. It was a win unanimously over 12 rounds against the very, very tough and game and motivated hungry Lamont Roach Jr. now 19 and 1 with one draw um firstly the entrance was unbelievable from Herring I mean you know they've made quite a thing of his entrances in the past he's had Marines making some kind of um you know some kind of human archway for him and he's come out you know in between it um saluting as he does but this 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 was unbelievable this ring walk here 
you know, he came out in some kind of army convoy. There was camo everywhere. Um, he looked really cool. There was lots and lots of Marines. I think over 150 Marines were bringing him out. It was unbelievable, actually. Um, you know, he, he he's he's a... If I, if I had to describe him in one word, Jamel Herring, word association game, if I had to describe him in one word, he's a hero. That's what he is. He's a role model. He's an inspiration. Um, but <laughs> getting back onto the fight, I do love Jamel Herring. Um, you know, the first round, I felt like Herring was, was already going to the body of Roach. Um, I think Roach had come off a bit of a bit of an inactive spell before the fight. So clever stuff from Herring investing in that body early. The second round, I felt like um, Roach was a little bit lucky, to be honest, to, to not to not get given a, a bit of a BS knockdown against him because his gloves clearly touched the canvas. They didn't show a replay of it, but initially, what I saw, it looked like his gloves certainly touched the canvas, and I don't know why the knockdown wasn't given. Um, Lamont Roach just looked second best, really, to everything at that point. The third round, Roach was being caught coming in. He was being outlanded. If he landed a good shot, Herring would return with, like, a three-punch combination just to outdo the good work of Roach. Again, Herring was almost exclusively targeting the body of Roach. He was seriously in control. He was mastering the distance. He looked real comfortable. Uh, the mid-rounds is where Roach actually started to have some success of his own. Herring seemed to... Uh, you know, go quiet really for a couple of rounds. I'm not sure what happened there. He seemed to disappear a little bit. At the end of the eighth round, Herring's corner gave him a, a bit of a talking to. Um, Bomack in the corner, I think it was, uh, gave him a bit of a talking to. And he came out in that ninth round with a bit more energy. You know, he knocked Roach down, but again, it was ruled a slip. For me, it was a clear knockdown. I think they, they showed a replay. I think some of the commentary were... Um, were I think it was Andre Ward and Tim Bradley. They both disagreed with with uh, with one another. I think one thought it was a knockdown, one didn't. I actually thought it was a knockdown. Um, in the eleventh round, um, Roach actually landed a brilliant shot. It was a right hook, and it made Herring's legs do a serious dance. I mean, luckily for Herring, there was only about five seconds left in the round. He held on, but it was quite scary going into that twelfth round, and. Um, when he came out in the twelfth round, Herring, he pretty much just had to survive, and he did more than survive. You know, it was a it was a decent round. I felt like he probably probably might have even edged it actually. Um, but yeah, not not the best round of the fight that twelfth round. Both men were quite tired, um, especially Herring. And um, yeah, on the actual scorecards, I felt like two of them were quite wide. I think two of the judges had it to Herring by six, and the other judge had it to Herring by two. That was more like my card. Um, so yeah, a little bit wide, but I felt like the right man won. I think even Lamont Roach Jr. in his post-fight interview kind of, you know, admitted that. He said that he didn't feel like he'd done enough in, in certain rounds and stuff. So the right man won, and uh, there's no there's no other real complaints. Good to see Herring get a defense there of his belt. He's been patiently waiting for his next fight since winning the title against Ito, and uh, it was good to see him shine like that on a special day for him. And of course, the, the, the Marines, I think it's some kind of Memorial Day out there in the States that, that they were celebrating, I think, um, the day after the day after the fight, I believe it was. That's why it was such a big event. Um, 
Moving out now to the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, USA. I'm going to come to you first here, right? as Billy Joe Saunders managed to move to 29-0, and a defense successful of his WBO World Super Middleweight title. His opponent, Marcelo Coceras. I've got to be honest, I was disrespecting, disrespecting him a little bit in the build-up. 28-0, very, very padded with that one draw. He was down three times, though, in the 11th round. But I tell you what, he gave Billy Joe a fight, and Billy Joe, for me, did not impress that much and until the knockdown started coming. You're 100% right. Um, and I, this was Billy Joe. This was meant to be Billy Joe's statement in the US on, on after his first fight um, in matchroom boxing. But obviously, um, it wasn't the greatest performance. Obviously, well done for Billy Joe and again. They knocked out on the 11th round. Uh, there was rumours that saying that he had a chest, he had a chest infection, uh, that he had visa issues. But I mean, it's a, a win's a win. Obviously, a great knockdown, great knockout. Obviously, it's another knockout for him for the record. He said he wants to call out Canelo. Personally, I don't think Canelo is going to. Um, I don't think Canelo will take that fight because I don't. Um, I think Canelo is going to end up fighting Bivol. But I mean, Billy Joe, where does he go from here? He should fight someone like a Gabriel Rosado, which I think would be a decent fight for him. But I mean, this wasn't the best performance, and I think he needs now. He needs to start stepping up his game. Yeah, see, Billy Joe has kind of shot himself in the foot because you're right, this was supposed to be his big statement. Um, I do want to touch on the scorecards at the time of the stoppage. Um, two judges had Billy Joe up by two points, but the other judge, the third judge, had um, Coceras up by two points, so completely swinging round the other way. Um, you know, he, he looked good when he was finishing the guy. I think Coceras kind of gassed out a little bit towards those later rounds, and, you know, his guard wasn't as tight as what it was in the earlier rounds. Billy Joe was able to kind of pick him apart a little bit in that 11th, and like I say, he was on the deck, I think it was three times. Um, Billy Joe, you know, he, he's hit with that kind of that curse that, that that a few boxers have got, not just Billy Joe, and it is where you fight down to the to the level of your opponent. I feel, um, you know, there's there's argument for many boxers having this, but that is what he seems to do time and time again. You know, he'll box someone like a Willie Monroe Jr. He won't look that great. He'll box someone like an Arthur Akhavov. He won't look that great. He'll box someone like this. He probably hasn't done his homework on these guys. He probably hasn't heard of these guys until the fight was getting made. And I don't think he sees them as a threat. So I don't know if he's cutting corners in training or he just massively mentally underestimates them and just ends up performing badly. But it's not the first time. And dare I say, it's probably not going to be the last time. I think even, as you said, a Gabe Rosado, I don't think that would be a good fight for him because he'll probably just look at his record and say, oh, I remember him getting punched around by Golovkin. I remember him... You know, losing to um, to Selecki and stuff like that. I'll just beat him easy, and he'll probably end up having a hard night against him. You know, but we see him step it up against Chris Eubank Jr. He put on a great performance. It was a real close fight. I felt like he gassed out towards the end, but other than that, he was on his A game that night. And um, of course, his his best performance of his career, hands down, has to be the performance against David Lemieux in Canada, where he just he just looked absolutely unbelievable that night. So um, he is a guy that fights to his opponent's level, and that's the worst thing about him, because people are going to look at this and say, I don't want to see him fight Canelo. People are going to look at this and say, I don't want to see him fight Golovkin. But the problem is, if he were to get those fights, which he may not now based on that performance, but if he were to get those fights, I definitely believe we'd see him at his best. And the best we have seen of him was against uh, against the Lemieux, and he he may even be able to go up higher than that level. It's yet to be seen because he hasn't fought a guy better than Lemieux yet, you know. So 
is tricky with Billy Joe. You know, everything seems to be tricky with him from his boxing skills and his, his antics outside of the ring. But, you know, other than that, he's a fantastic fighter. He's one of our best talents here in Britain. And um, I want to see him get those fights, but I'm just not sure everyone else is on that train because of these type of performances, you know. But he got his man out of there in the end, and uh, it was a tough fight. It was a tough fight. So credit to Kosoros for certainly bringing it. That was like... I want to say that was his world title fight. It actually was his world title fight because he boxed for a world title, but he absolutely gave it his all there. That was probably his best performance as well. So um, so credit to Kostaras. He really brought it. And, of course, Billy Joe got the win in the end. That is, I suppose, all that matters. Um, also on that card, Diego Pacheco, a young prospect. I've been trying to get on the show. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I think we need to get some of the, the, uh, the Twitter... Uh, the Twitter listeners, to, or the podcast listeners that have a Twitter account, to try and keep attacking Diego Pacheco. Tell him to get on the show. He's now 7-0. and A KO for him in the fourth round against Aaron Kaspar. Kaspar uh, was down in the first round, and I think he was down twice in the fourth, if I'm not mistaken. Um, by the way, moving off of... Off of um, Diego Pacheco in particular. If if you are listening to me right now and there's anyone in world boxing that you want to get on the podcast, tweet them and just say, I'd like to see you on at the Boxar Podcast or whatever. And um, we will we'll be happy pretty much to get anyone on. You know, we're going to try and look at a few other uh, types of levels of guys because I feel like we've kind of been headhunting world champions this year. I mean, when you actually look at it, we've almost had a world champion or a world title challenger on every single show since the turn of 2019, which is crazy because we're now coming to the end and we've we've been pushing out all these all these big you know big whether it's big name fighters or big achievement fighters at least every single week almost. So we do want to look at guys like Diego Pacheco, guys you know guys on the come up. We've had Tiafimo Lopez on. It'd be great to get someone like a Virgil Ortiz on these type of guys. We need to annoy them with tweets. So please help us out with that. Um, obviously the main event. KSI, no, 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 we don't go there at all. Let's talk about Devin Haney, now 24-0. and 0. Um, It was a defense of his WBC World Lightweight title. Obviously, it was his first legitimate world title fight. He was able to beat Alfredo Santiago, who was undefeated going in, but he's now 12-1. and 1. Even though Devin Haney pitched a complete shutout, um... You know, a lot of people weren't really impressed. I was kind of zoning in and out of the fight. I wasn't really scoring it. He just seemed to be in control the whole time. He didn't really step on the gas when he probably could have. And, you know, some people will criticize that. I understand the game. I'm not going to get too critical with him. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. And when he when he really does need to go for the gears, he will. Um, so we'll give him a pass on that one. Again, he's now a legitimate world champion. He was elevated, but he's now had the fight. And um, there was probably a few, you know, butterflies and stuff like that for the occasion perhaps on a big a big you know a big card like that whether you like it or not there was millions and millions of eyes on the the fights there um also on that bill Nikita Abarbi um managed to managed to get a win his opponent Jonathan Batista was actually disqualified in the very first round I think he hit Abarbi after the bell if I'm not mistaken so Abarbi now 8 and 0 uh, but that is everything for the review part of the show we've tried to go through it as quick as possible just before we wrap up part 1 the same as always it's now time to welcome our very first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBO number six ranked super featherweight in the world it is of course Mr Archie Sharp Arch welcome back on the show 
Thanks for having me back on, mate. Thank you. Always a pleasure. So, Arch, we, we last spoke back in September, not too long ago. It was it was fight week for your for your upcoming fight at the time against Declan Geraghty at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, let's start with that fight. I mean, what did you make of your performance? And talk me through that devastating knockdown blow that you uh, you landed to get the fight waved off in the end. Yeah, so obviously when they um, when they announced I was fighting Declan Gary, um I had in my head I was going to stop this fella. He's a, he's a southpaw anyway, so uh, left hook, right hand, or to the body. Do you know what I mean? I, my left hook was the main shot we was working on uh, through that camp. And I think the first couple of rounds, I probably stood off him a little bit too much, and I was I was obviously a couple of rounds down. Um, I got cut in the third round, so that's when I knew I had to start putting it on him. And the minute I got close, I landed a shot we was working on. It was obviously a good night. It definitely was. I mean, a lot of people talking about it as potentially one of the knockout of the year candidates. Um, again, you know, there will always be critics. You know, you've barely lost a round as a professional arch. And of course, no one can go through their, yeah. their entire career, you know, without losing a round here and there. But, you know, you were down on the cards. It's, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, a marathon, not a sprint. And to be honest... You know, it doesn't really matter who was winning a fight at a particular time in the fight. It matters who won, and of course, that was you in statement-like fashion. Um, I wasn't sure that we'd get to see you in the ring again before the end of the year, but we are going to get to see you. You're out once more. Tell us when and where, Arch, for those that don't know. Yeah, so I'm boxing back on the 21st of December, and that is at the Copper Box Arena. Um, Daniel Dubai's headlining the show. I'll be defending my belt for the third time. Um, And also, Tommy Fury... The Love Island winner is also being on the show. They didn't win it, did they? They, so was, they were close, card. wouldn't they? I think they come second, wouldn't it? Didn't they come second? Oh, was it the second? Yeah. yeah, second. To be honest with you, the final of that, I watched all the way through, and in the final, I was in Spain. <laughs> so I didn't even see it. But yeah, the um, oh, the Amber won it, didn't yes. she? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, anyway, the second winners, Tommy and Molly. Um, but yeah, Tommy's also on the show. Uh, Daniel Debar and myself and then a few other good fighters uh, will also be on the show as well yeah it was, I remember now we, we had quite a few chats that we were ringing each other up talking about the, uh, the Love Island weren't we sad to say <laughs> you're just as bad as me you are yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, um, d- do you have anyone potentially lined up Arch for this fight uh, December 21st I know obviously it's it's just been announced that you'll be fighting I know you haven't actually got an opponent now down but um, is there a bunch of guys you're looking at can you tell us anything at all or is it too early yeah yeah so there's um, there's been a few there's been a few sent over to me uh, and then we've accepted all of them anyway but it's just waiting on their, their side of the of the um, whoever comes back with the offer so the offer's been put in and the, the, the out of the two that we um, will be boxing um, they they have boxed for the WBO in in the past, so they they're definitely going to be live opponents. Um, but yeah, we'll just see because you know what it's like. I, to be two weeks ago, I was matched up, and then it all fell through. So you know what it's like. Um, hopefully, I shall hear by the end of this week with a confirmation of uh, of a fail. Absolutely. And did you happen to catch Jamel Herring's WBO World Title defense on the weekend over uh, over Lamont Rose Jr. at all? No, so basically, I've seen the highlights. I'm just waiting for it to upload so I can watch it on YouTube. I don't know if it has uploaded yet. Um, I forgot to record it, to be honest with you. But yeah, I, I had I had um, Jamel Aaron to win that, to be honest with you. The Montmartre Jr. ain't a bad fighter, but I just think he's too small. Um, from what I've been told, he was a close fight. And from what I watched on the highlights, he looked like a good fight. I see that Jamel got... 
got rocked in the eleventh for a big shot. So um so yeah, it's definitely like I say, it's definitely a fight that I've wanted from day dot. I respect Jamel Heron as a fighter, um, from what I've seen and the way that he conducts himself is is a is a top top champion. But it's definitely a fight that I know I can go on and win and I can become the new WBO world champion. Lamont Rocks Jr. ain't a bad fighter, but I knew he wouldn't bring much to the table. He's too he was too small of a fighter for Jamel Heron. And looking at the other champions right now, I mean, Javante Davis has moved up. A lot of people would have said he's probably the best fighter at 130. So with him out of the way, obviously you've got Jamel Herring, you've got Miguel Burchelt, you've got Andrew Cancio now with the WBA, and of course, Tevin Farmer with the IBF. Um, what are your thoughts on those guys individually, Arch? Yeah, so look, that, that Burchelt's a very good fighter. He's, he's definitely one of the strongest out of, out of the champions. Um Tevin Farmer, also a good fighter. But see, with Tevin, I think his, his style suits me down to the ground. Um, he's, a, he's a very good technician, but he's very short. So I think I'll outbox Tevin Farmer, and I think I can outbox Jamel Heron. And like you say, you've got um, the new the WBA super. Is uh, What's his name? An- Andrew Kensia. Uh, Andrew, yes. It, yeah, so I'm a little lucky. I don't know too much about him, um, but I have seen... I've seen a little bit of him, not 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 much, but more so. Um, my eyes have been mainly set on Jamel Heron and Tevin Farmer, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I need to climb the W uh, the IBF rankings before I even even get the chance with uh with Tevin. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Tevin, we're we're hearing an announcement. Uh, is is pretty much imminent. It may even happen before we put the podcast out. But it looks like he'll be boxing yeah. Joseph Diaz Jr. I believe at the back end of January. Um, how do you see that fight playing out, Arch? That's obviously a tough fight for him. Yeah, very tough fight. Very tough fight. Um, that Diaz is a strong. He's a strong man, and he's a very good good fighter. I believe Tevin Farmer. He has come on a lot. And I think he's, he is a good technician, and I think he'd outbox him. Um, that's if he can hold him off for the 12 rounds. But, um, yeah, I'm going to favour Tevin Farmer. But, yet again, it's going to be another close and good fight for, for the uh, for the super, weight, uh, super featherweight division. And just coming back to the kind of domestic scene for a minute, uh, Zelfa Barra obviously boxed your former opponent, Jordan McCory, since we last spoke. To be fair to, be fair to Zelfa, um, he boxed well. He got him out of there in nine rounds. Did you happen to yeah. see it? Quite impressive. No, do you know what? I didn't even see that fight. Uh, see, with, with the Bowens and the Barretts, look, I'm, I'm climbing six now in, in the WBL world ranking. I've got, I'm, I'm literally knocking at the door. It won't be long before I'm ready for these world title shots before I get the call-up. So I've got another defence on the 21st. That's going to throw me up in the rankings again, hopefully. Um, and I'll just keep chasing them world title fights. And, they, and if they're as good as what they, they're saying they are, then in the day, look, Barrett's a very good fighter. Yeah, and he did put McCory away. Um, and all, all respect to Jordan McCory. He's a very tough opponent. But everybody knows, and everyone has seen my hand after the second or third, third round when my hand blew up after the body shot. Um that was it then. So maybe, who knows? You know what I mean? I, I, I might have had a different result. If my hands were brand new, I, I believe there would have been a different result there. Um, Sam Bowen, he gets his face punched off by any by myself or Barrett. I think Barrett beats him. By the looks of what's happening, Bowen and Barrett's going to be next. In that time, I carry on climbing my rankings. And then, like I say, if, they wanna, if, if, if they've got something to bring to the table when I've got my... Um, my WBO world title, then, then then the fights will happen. But the thing is, Barrett is a beaten man, and Bowen he gets his head boxed off. He's got an hard fight in front of him against Kachi anyway, um, at the end of the month. But yeah, so listen, then fights will happen. 
hundred percent with me and Barrett. I reckon because I think Barrett beats Bowen. Like I said, uh, it's just a matter of timing. It could happen next year. But for now, he's on his path, wanting to look for Bowen. I'm on my path, trying to chase the WBO world title. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Who who do you believe would win if they were to collide, Barrett and Bowen? But you've answered that one there. Yeah, yeah, That's Barrett, right. mate. I think Barrett outboxed him. Okay. And just finally, Arch, as always, any closing words for our listeners? You've obviously been quite a frequent guest, um, especially over the last couple of years. I think you've been on probably more times than any other fighter, so our listeners know you very well. But any closing words to your to your supporters that will be listening to this? Yeah, just like I say, thanks very much for the support. It's been great support out there. Um, and tuning in on the 21st of December, because it's going to be a great night of boxing, and I'll be putting on another great performance. Um, and yeah, thanks for the team and all, all the sponsors that are involved in my involved with uh, with Team Shop. So yeah, look forward to being out on the 21st. And like I say, thanks for having me back on the podcast. Absolutely. Listen, Arch, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my friend. We'll keep an eye out for a, a, a official announcement in terms of the opponent, but obviously uh, we, we'll look forward to seeing your box once again. December 21st, tickets on sound now, and I'm sure that we'll speak again after the fight. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what you got? Yes, um, Daniel Jacobs will face Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., on December the 20th at the Talking Stick Arena in Phoenix. At the Talking Stick Resort Arena. Yeah, I think that's a new one. I thought you initially said the Turning Stone. Um, but anyway, yeah, the Talking Stick. Interesting. Um, Jacobs versus Chavez Jr. We mentioned it on last week's show. There was supposed to be a blockbuster fight announcement. Um, for me, it's not really a blockbuster fight. You know, I mean, it's is it for a belt? Is Jacobs a champion again? I've completely forgot. No, he's not a champion. Yeah. Well, like I say, I mean, it's a non-title bout. Um, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. last in the ring, you know, in a, in a notable fight, was obviously against Canelo, which was two and a half years ago. You know, so he's had the one fight since, and it was a first-round knockout earlier this year. You know, so I've got no idea why that fight's happening. I think it's it's really a bit of a cash grab, probably, for Jacobs. I'm guessing people want to tune in to see Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., but um, it's an easy fight for him, I think. I think he wins it He wins it easy. It probably does go points because, you know, as, as critical as people are over Chavez Jr., the one thing is he's a tough guy. You know, he stood in there against Canelo and showed how tough he was. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's a tough guy. I think he, I think he um, will hang in there, you know, over the distance. But, yeah, not a fight I'm looking forward to. And for me, definitely not a blockbuster fight. Yep, okay. Um, and finally, Richard Riakpo will face Jack Macy, also on the undercard with Fabio Wardley, Charles Frankham, uh, Shannon Courtney, and Luther Clay will face Kewitt. Uh, yeah, that one to take place at the York Hall on December 19th. I think that's a... I think that's a... Is that a Friday night or, or something like that? I think it is. Um, or it might be a Thursday night. We'd have to double-check that one. But anyway, yeah, Fabio Wardley takes on Simon Valili. That's a brilliant fight, by the way. Um, Richard Riakpour against Jack Massey, as you said, and Lufa Clay in a bit of a step up against the the pretty tough, but um, not invincible, Freddie Kiewit. Um Those three fights mentioned are great fights. Obviously, there was rumours that uh, Craig Richards would be fighting Shakam Pitters on that bill as well. No clue what's gone on with that. I'd love to have seen that t- 
take place on that as well. But quite frankly, that's too good of a card for York Hall if they were to add that as well. I'm being completely honest there. I think it's more like a copper box kind of show. Um, I'll, I'll find out from Craig Richards what's going on with that, what's the latest with that. Um, hopefully, there'll be an update at the end of the show. I'll try and, uh, try and ask him and get back to you guys. But um, it doesn't look like he's going to be on that one. And uh, no, it's a, it's a great night of boxing. I think the tickets are probably going to be quite cheap, if I'm not mistaken, because it's right by Christmas. I think tickets start at £40, and they go up to one thirty at the very best. So, uh, yeah, not a bad night of, of boxing there, actually, for, for quite cheap. Um, but yeah, that is, that is, that's it for that one. Is that it for the news? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much, Ayaz. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here. A card that's taking place tomorrow at the Margaret Court Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. The two Maloney brothers, Andrew Maloney, 20-0, and 0, takes on Elton Dari, who's 24-5 and 5 with one draw. That one's for the interim WBA World Super Flyweight title. And his brother, his twin brother, Jason Maloney, 19-1. and 1. He fights for the WBA Oceana Bantamweight title against Dixon Flyweight. Um, that one's going to be on ESPN Plus, by the way. I think that's the first fight that both Maloney brothers are having um, since since um, signing with Top Rank. I think that's I think that's what's going on with those guys at the minute. Uh, moving out now to the Olympia in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. This one is taking place again tomorrow. Um, it's one of those weird cards that happens in the north. Um, you know, with with quite a star-studded kind of lineup against against opponents that don't really stand a chance. Um, let's talk about Natasha Jonas, eight and one. She takes on Bianca Majaf, who's three and three. Um, she's a Hungarian, 25 years of age. Also on that bill, we have Terry Flanagan, former world champion, 35 and two. He takes on Jairo Duran, who's 14 and six. Again, I just can't really understand that. Um, Duran's actually got a loss to Rod Salker on his record. Boy, oh boy. Uh, also on the bill, we have Martin Murray, 38-5 and five with one draw. He takes on Sladan Janjanin, who's 27-4. and four. He's got a loss to, uh, to Stephen Butler. Also topping that bill, I think it's topping the bill, Rocky Fielding, again, former world champion, 27-2. and two. He takes on Abdallah Paziwapazi. <laughs> who's who's twenty six and six with one draw? He's got twenty three KOs though, so he obviously can bang. Um, twenty six years of age. He's already got a fight lined up after this one for the twenty eighth of December. <laughs> he's he's got a loss to Umar Salamov, a first round knockout where he got stopped there, and of course he lost also to Leon Bauer. Um, boy oh boy oh boy, it's just completely full of gimme fights. But again, a bit of a star studded cast. Uh, moving out now to the Salt Palace in Salt Lake City, Utah, USA. Two fights to mention on this one. Junior Farr, the undefeated heavyweight prospect, 18-0. and 0. He takes on Devin Vargas, 21-5 and 5 over 10. And Dennis Duglin, friend of the show, 22-6. and 6. He's in an eight-rounder against Mike Guy, who's 11-4 and 4 with one draw. Uh, moving out now to Germany at the Hall Messi Arena in Saxon-Anhalt. Over here we have... Uh, Dominic Bozell, 29 and 1. He takes on Sven Fornling, uh, who's 15 and 1. This one's for the interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title. So 
They're trying to move him towards Bivol by the looks of it. Uh, moving out now to the York Hall Bethnal Green. This one obviously has been rescheduled. It all went wrong when I think Fonseca collapsed or something um, about two months ago, something like that, or even less. I think I think it's even less actually. This one's for the vacant IBO World Super Featherweight title. Alex Dilmagani, sixteen. Oh, sorry, nineteen and one. He takes on Francisco Fonseca, twenty-five and two with one draw. John Joe Nevin third. 13 and 0 takes on Freddie Fonseca, 27 and 4 with one draw. That one's for the vacant WBA International Super Featherweight title. Um, Mick Hennessy Jr. gets out on that one as well, 2 and 0 with one draw. No opponent just yet. That's a four rounder there. Moving out now to the Emirates Arena in Glasgow, Scotland. We have over here Lee McGregor. 7-0, he fights for the Commonwealth and British bantamweight titles against Yukashir Farouk, Cash Farouk they call him, very good fighter, 13-0, that one for me, arguably fight of the weekend, that is an excellent fight, I think there's been a bit of talk between them for a while, and the fight is finally on, um, also on that bill by the way, not to go unnoticed, Kieran Smith's in a 10-rounder against Vincenzo Bevilacqua, uh, that one is for the WBC International Silver Super Welterweight title, Bivalacqua, 16-0. Uh, moving out now to the final bill, though. It takes place at La Fontaine Blue in Maryland, USA. Friend of the show, Hassim Rackman Jr. Um, if, if anyone saw his pound-for-pound pound top 10 list the other week, he got a bit of stick for that. But anyway, 8-0 as a professional. A four-rounder here against Lance Gorch, who's 8-11 with three draws. And also on the bill, one to look out for in the future, Lorenzo Simpson, 5-0, known as... I think they call him the big truck. I think he's... Is he the truck? I think he's not the big truck. He's just the truck. I don't think he's 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 too big of a of a, of a man. But anyway, he's in a six-rounder against Del Vicio Savage, who's three and four with one draw. And that is everything for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up everything, the same as always, it's now time to welcome our second and final guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated heavyweight prospect. It is, of course, Mr. Cassius Cheney. Cassius, welcome back on the show, my man. Hey, man, I appreciate it, man. How you doing, Jack? Very good, my friend. Very good. Great to speak to you again. Of course, we last spoke in June 2016. It's been a really long time. Uh, it was actually <laughs> it was actually the podcast after Muhammad Ali had passed away. Um, but on a brighter note, on a brighter note, how have you been, Cassius? Like I say, it's been ages. I've been great, you know, just uh, just growing, uh, both mentally and physically. Uh, it seems slow, but, you know, I can't complain. I'm just growing, you know, just, you know, taking my time and I'm getting better. So can't, I don't have any, uh, you know, you know uh, I don't know. I don't have any complaints. <laughs> Now I think at the time when we last spoke, you were like six and zero, oh, maybe seven and zero. Oh. And I remember after we did that interview, ever since it happened, I'd always mention to our listeners that you had a fight coming up soon. I'd always mention the result of of each fight you've had ever since then. Um, you know, I've been doing it for three and a half years, but you know, you're now a perfect seventeen and zero, oh, eleven KOs. My question is, are you happy with your progression? Are you where you'd hoped you'd be by November twenty nineteen? Oh man, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say I'm surprised that where I am sorta in the sense that I was going through so much stuff with, uh, management and, you know, uh, where they wanted me to train and trainers that my whole mindset was just, yo, just win the fights, you know, don't, don't worry about, you know, 
taking unnecessary chances and things like that. My mindset was just train as, as best as you can and, and win the fight. So I guess like when I think about it, you know, I'm not surprised because I always believed and had confidence in myself. But I will say that I'm surprised with how how quick people forget, you know, and and it's funny because like, you know, I'm not a person that's gonna hold too many grudges. I just use them as motivation for myself. But, you know, it's interesting to see like how, you know, certain guys that have, you know, was in, involved with my career as far as management, blah, 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 you know, um, are now, you know, interested in it again. It's it's crazy to me. And I remember promotionally, I think at the time you were with main events, perhaps. Are you still with them or have you cut ties? I'm still with main events, okay, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because, like, you would think that <laughs> you would think that in this business, man, your promoter would be the first one that's like, nah, he ain't got it. You know, he ain't got it. But, you know, like I said, you know, if I'm able to, to concentrate on this and, and I've shown this year with um, – the, the restructure of, of this contract, what I was able to do just this year because I'm going to do what I need to do with whatever I'm getting, you know, compensation-wise. I'm going to put it into what I'm doing. And I've shown progression, and that's all I can ask for. Like, I'm a, I'm behind maturity-wise. I know that as far as boxing and maturity-wise. But I think that, you know, when you're able just to do what you need to do, you're going to get better and you're going to mature at it, you know, and, and that's what I showed this year. And again, you're coming off six consecutive knockout wins. Your last three fights in a row have all ended in the very first round. Um, the last one against Silgado was highlight reel material. Um, have, have you enjoyed racking up these recent knockouts, especially the quick ones? <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I, I would want, a, you know, some rounds, but at the same time, it's funny because, like, I should knock those guys out, you know, and I fought, you know, you know, maybe stiffer to the same competition when I was, you know, starting out. But I wasn't with to concentrate on boxing. I wasn't able to concentrate on just training and and doing what I needed to do. But you know, now that I don't have a manager, it's actually easier because whatever I get paid per fight, boom, I'm able just to pay for my training for what I know works for me. You know, before when somebody else is doing it, they're paying for what they envision works for you. And sometimes instead of it being a partnership, it's like, you got to do it this way. And I'm saying, listen, that don't work for me. CrossFit and all that don't really work for me that well. So now I feel a little bit better that, you know, I've shown that these guys, like the guys that I should have been knocking out before, I'm knocking out now. Um, but yeah, they got a little bit more experience, but hey, I'm I'm showing that you know, I've gotten better. And your next fight date, I believe, is already set, November 27th against Nick Jones in New Hampshire, am I right? Yes, sir. And that one will be for the vacant WBC United States heavyweight title. Um, I'm guessing, based off of that, seeing as it's a, you know, it's a minor WBC belt, I'm guessing you're going to try to go down that path in terms of their rankings and stuff? Oh, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what... Uh... I guess it all depends on what main events has planned. I believe that I think this title is just one that's vacant in um in the area in the region. I think Steve Steve Acosta and uh Joe Casamano fought for it previously. And um and I always thought that would have been a good fight for me, me and Casamano, but it didn't happen like that. And I think Steve Acosta vacated it. 
So I just think it's something just, you know, for me to get my feet wet, you know, and um, um, it would be a good look for me if I could just, you know, put on a good performance and win and, and then come back and, uh, you know, hopefully start to, you know, defend it in, in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun or in Baltimore or wherever. And again, you know, the, the, your opponent for this fight, Nick Jones, a record of seven and two, seven wins in a row until running into his his his, his last couple of defeats that happened consecutively. The first one to Effia Jagba, uh, you know, a fighter that seems like he's going to have a brilliant future in the sport. And then, of course, to Rodney Hernandez, who a lot of people would say is quite a few levels down from a Jagba. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you 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 know, you want to have a bright future in the sport. You probably place yourself around about the kind of same level as a Jagber at the minute, perhaps even higher. So um, I'm guessing you want to do a similar job um, to what a Jagber did and get this guy out of there early. Yeah, I mean, if I, you know, if that comes about, the last few fights, honestly, I've been saying, like, just go and have fun, you know, just do what you do, and, and that's what's happened. But, you know, whenever I think about getting a knockout, I don't really get it. You know, I never get it. So now I'm like, you know, just going there, smooth, relax, and, you know, once I get my range down, it's, it's cool. So I think it's really, it's really up to, um, and not it's really up to me. But I'm saying it's up to him as well on how he wants to come out and do it. I'll be ready, and I'm ready, and I'm focused. But yeah, I look, I looked at the Jaguar fight, and, um, and I know Rodney Hernandez is a tough, you know, tough guy. But you know, I do feel like I need the rounds as well. You know what I mean? I've been getting guys like if you think about it this year. I've only had only fought like three minutes, you know. So um, hopefully, you know, he's smarter than what he looks on, you know what I mean, how he boxes. But I'm not going to go in there to play around either, you know. If I can, if I can clip him, I'm going to try to clip him. So, uh, you know, that's just how it is with the sport. And have you been sparring anyone with a big name since we last spoke? Because I remember you came over here, you did some work with the Furies. I know you uh, you sparred Eddie Chambers, I think, back in the States. Any other big names you've sparred in the last few years since we haven't spoke? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the hat out of the bag. The last person I sparred was out of Wild for the Fury. Oh, wow. And uh, that, was a good, that was a great experience because, uh, you know, probably probably since the Tyson Fury camp, that particular camp, as as far as how his team was structured, it allowed me to see a lot, and you know, and, and it helped me as far as um, um, understanding maybe like what I'm going to what I'm going to need going forward, you know, the structure, the the organization, the more of the detail, and um, yeah, it was it was it was cool sparring. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And of course, Otto Walling gave uh, gave Fury a number of problems, especially when the cut occurred. But a lot of people, as they have been doing for the last couple of fights, you know, if Tyson Fury doesn't fight someone that's that's not called um, Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder, people like to say, "Who's this guy? Where did they get him from? He's no good." How good was Otto Walling though behind closed doors? Is he still a guy that has a bright future in the in the in the heavyweight division? Yeah, of course, of course, he's much better and much more personable than. Uh... Uh, what, you know, maybe he seems it's kind of crazy because, like, you know, I was taking a train down, and after sparring, I would take the train, you know, catch my train back, and he was literally, like, at one point standing next to me, and I didn't even know he, I just finished sparring with him, and I didn't even notice who he was, you know, so he doesn't even look like, uh, you know, he 
he kind of resembles like a tennis player or something. You would never think he's a fighter, but he was literally standing next to him. I'm like, oh, shit. I just finished sparring with you. What's up, man? And he directed me to my train, but it's like, uh, you know, he's much more more mobile than what you may think. And, you know, his team, his coach, uh, his coach, Coach Joey, um, he's, a, he's a really sharp, you know, sharp, sharp trainer, man. He, you know, he came up around Manuel Stewart, so he understands, I guess, big guys and things like that. And, you know, those little things I learned and picked up working with Otto that I enjoyed. And a rematch I want to I wanna, uh, put your way. Deontay Wilder versus uh, Luis Ortiz. Obviously, that rematch takes place November 23rd. Is that a fight that interests you from a fan's point of view? I mean, we saw the first fight. You know, Ortiz put up a great effort, but ultimately Wilder was able to stop him in quite brutal fashion. Are you interested in the rematch, or do you reckon it's just going to be a repeat and there's no real need for us all to see it again? I'm interested in the rematch, and this is why I really feel like this is where I got to give a guy like Wilder respect in a sense from a fighter standpoint is, you know, he's taking on an opponent that really nobody really want to sit there and fight, but he's taking that opponent on because it wasn't as easy as it was, you know, as he, as he may have wanted it to be. So, but I think Ortiz is taking it serious as well because he's seen guys um, of recent have success that, you know, are the first for that, you know, poachers, you know, Andy Ruiz, you know, just did it, you know. So um, I think it's, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting than what, you know, people may think. Um, I don't have a pick in it. I don't have a horse in it. I just want to see a great fight. Um, and I think both of them are, you know, hard workers and they're going to, you know, put on the show. And I, I hope you do have a pick in in the next one. The other rematch, of course, December 7th, Saudi Arabia. Uh, Anthony Joshua versus Andy Ruiz. Um, is it is it revenge or is it repeat? How do you see it playing out? I don't even, you know, it's it's weird because like, I usually go for the underdogs, but I don't know if there's an underdog in this one. It's like they both the underdogs, kind of. You know what I mean? Andy's trying to keep the belt. Joshua's trying to get the belts back, you know. So, you know, um Man, I, I I just want to see a good fight. You know, if Joshua can show some boxing, that would be real, you know, smooth, cool. But I think his eternal instincts are just a just a bang, the person involved him. So, um, but Andy, man, he, he tough, man. I I don't know. That's a tough one too, man. <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a tough one too, man. I just, I just want to see a good fight. Like I said, I don't know neither one of them, so I can't really, I can't really pick, you know, off the top of my head. All right, let's see if you can pick a winner in this one. Then on the undercard of that, I believe it's the chief support actually to that one. Another real mouthwatering heavyweight clash: American Michael Hunter against Russia's Alexander Povetkin. How do you see that one playing out? Great fight. Oh, I'll pick on that one. I'm going with Michael Hunter on that one. Easy. Um, not easy that I think it's going to be easy, but I think Povetkin, since he's been fighting clean, has shown signs of, you know, he's not as naturally, I'm not going to say gifted, but he's not as naturally um, powerful, you know, powerful, like just just strong like he was when he was, like, getting getting through, like, with the juice and the stuff. But, I think Michael Hunter is, is a really good boxer. He's showing that. If you're not athletic and can get to him and get out, he's going to give you problems. So I got Michael Hunter um, by decision, you know, and I'm 
I won't be surprised if it's by a knockout, but I do got him by, by decision. And I want to ask you, because this, this intrigues me now from, from what you've said about these heavyweights. Who do you believe are the top five best heavyweights in the heavyweight division from one to five, if you have a top five? Uh, my top five would be me, but nobody knows it yet. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, Wilder. Oh, man. Ferry or Josh? Ferry or um, Ruiz? Um Hang man, that's a tough one. Wilder, after me, Joshua, Andy Ruiz, Theory, and I gotta say Dillian White. I think I think Dillian White's in there. Okay. I think Dillian White. And I got Dillian White. He could he could be anywhere from that five to four range. Yeah. But he's not getting that chance. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, um, Ortiz is in there too. You know. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, only reason why I would say uh, Ortiz over Dillian White right now is because he's getting the chances. He's getting no chances. Dillian White really hasn't had the chance, other than the the Reader situation, but um, he hasn't really had the consistent chances to to fight for a title. And just coming down to the last couple questions now, Cassius, um, I want to ask, what are your goals for the year 2020 in a realistic world? Where do you want to be this time next year? Um, if I do what I'm able to do, you know, um, for my next fight, I just want to perform well. Um, I'm looking at, you know, getting somebody in that top 15, somewhere in that range. Um, I see a lot of guys is getting chances. Um, like Philip, uh, what's his name? Philip, how you pronounce his last name? Hergovich. Hergovich. Philip Hergovich is fighting Eric Molina. Otto Wallen was going to fight BJ Flores before he got the ferry opportunity. You know what I mean? And so I think his proper fights out there for me, like Kubat Kulev was, was, was about to fight, was just for Rodell Booker. Um, Franklin fought um, Jerry Forrest. So it's proper fights, you know, that makes sense, that, um, that helped me, you know. Um, but I would like to start headlining in Connecticut and, you know, just getting some fights under that main event situation um, because it's just a different lights, a different timing. I want to start getting those main events, you know, done. So I just, you know, I want to, you know, just get better. I want to fight, fight, you know, that's the reason why I'm in it. You know what I mean? So um, I I think 2020 is going to be a real good year. Absolutely. I certainly hope so. And um, just before I let you go, Cassius, if you've got any, any closing words at all, just for our listeners, if you've got any kind of final message before we let you go, now's the time. Of course. Um, I just want to th- say thank you to the listeners. Thank you to you for putting me on the podcast. Um, of course, thank you to every my family, my friends, every single trainer that has helped me at any capacity, you know, sparring, anything, any spawn partners, whatever. I just want to say thank you, of course, and um, I'm just want to continue to work hard and you know and get better. Appreciate it. Of course, thank you to main events as well, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, Cassius, it has been a real pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And I promise I won't leave it this long to speak with you again, sir. No, it's all good. You don't get your butt whooping, uh, Call of Duty, man. Stop ducking me. <laughs> 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 213 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the undefeated super featherweight prospect, Archie Sharp, and the undefeated heavyweight prospect, Mr. Cassius Cheney. Both men, of course, having their fights um, over the next few weeks, really. Both men, we wish the best of luck, and both men, of course, have real bright futures in the sport. Um, a massive thank you to all of you you guys once again as always for listening to this week's podcast and all the others um i did get to speak to craig richards just briefly he tells me that the fight with him and Shakan Pitters is still in the negotiation phase. He didn't say for when or where but again i'm guessing it won't be on that december card um but that's about everything from myself and I as remember to tell a friend to tell a friend please leave us a review on iTunes if you do have the time, I cannot tell you how much those reviews mean to us enjoy your weekends people and we hope to see you all again next week <laughs>